Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. So Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38, where we read this. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know in, in the United States, at least right now, it's, it's it would be really unusual for a stranger to walk up and like ask to hold your baby or pick up your child or something like that. Just just something that we don't do. And in any case, we have these uh, these two elderly people, Simeon and Anna, both who are gifted by the spirit as as prophets, who are both looking to many of the same uh, promises that we had been reading uh, just recently when we were doing our series on Isaiah. Uh, looking to the the hope of the Messiah, but also seeing some dark clouds in the in the midst of that, uh, some warnings that this this coming Messiah wasn't going to be what people expected, and for that reason, just like in Isaiah, uh, people were often not happy with God's proposed solutions to their problems. That people were going to resist this Messiah, even though he's the Savior that they were um, supposedly waiting for. And 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 uh, Simeon especially says, you know, a sword is going to pierce your very soul. That he says to Mary, that this is going to bring a lot of pain to you. It's going to cause the rising and falling of many. There's a choice to be made, um, and and many many people are going to choose to walk away from God rather than to accept the salvation that God is offering to them. Uh, I guess one other thing about this passage that I really see is that. And kind of building on the theme yesterday where we talked about these two diverging kingdoms, these two very different kingdoms. So God's 
you know, son is entering into the world. Uh, Jesus is entering into the world. It's this king of a new kind of kingdom. It's going to displace this kingdom, overturn things. The the typical way we often uh, see this, especially in movies and stories, where you come in and you beat up the bad guy, you uh, trounce the bad guy, you, and, and you're able to then set up a new uh, way of doing things, a new system. But this is very different. The Messiah here isn't going to come in and just destroy things. Instead, Simeon saying, no, this person is going to be rejected by many and a sword is going to pierce your soul, Mary. And it's almost like saying that the, the God who's coming in to end suffering, like both Simeon and Anna are waiting for the Messiah that's going to end the suffering of Israel. But this God who's going to end your suffering isn't going to do it by wiping out those who are causing your suffering or trouncing some enemy in, in that kind of way, though we might want that kind of thing. Instead, this God is going to um, enter into our suffering. It's going to become part of our suffering, embrace the suffering uh, that we experience, which is a very different kind of path, very different than, say, Caesar would do things. Caesar would come in and wipe out whatever enemy. Rome had a reputation. They never had an army large enough to keep peace. So what they would do is when someone would rebel, they would dis utterly destroy them and make an example of them. That's what crucifixion was for, was to make such an example that no one would even think of crossing them. And I guess the part that's that's challenging to me is I really like the Roman path to victory. I, in my very nature, it appeals to me. Like if I have an enemy, if someone's causing me suffering and pain, my first impulse is I want to crush them and make them regret that they ever crossed me. And the path of Jesus is so different. The path of, that Jesus is going to take to victory is going to be one of embracing suffering, of being willing to suffering in order to change the very system that causes the suffering. And, and I take that as a very strong clue that if we're to follow Jesus, then our path to victory is likely going to have to be the same path where instead of destroying those who are causing problems for us, we're going to have to embrace the pain and be willing to suffer alongside people um, we're going to have to be willing actually to suffer more, not less, in order to get to the path of victory that Jesus is laying out for us. Dave, I'm, I'm wondering what you, you see here, especially about how we, you know, this call to embrace suffering. Well, you know, this is, of course, in the context, as you mentioned, of the, it's the Luke chapter two that began, uh, those of you who were with us yesterday in our devotion, uh, it begins with this pitting of two empires against each other, right? Two kings, uh, two adopted sons, like the whole thing. And, and really, Luke's whole idea here is to tell us, hey, reader, you have a choice to make, a hard choice to make, a costly choice to make. Are you going to go along with the empire or are you actually going to become a revolutionary, right? Are you, are you going to kind of go along to get along? Or are you going to join the resistance? You can't do both. And, and so like this, I think where we read this is sort of, oh, that's a cute Christmas story. And it just gives us all kind of all comfort and feels they people reading this the first time would have had very different response. It would have been like, wow, yikes. Okay, I'm feeling tense. I'm feeling challenged. I'm feeling a little afraid, right? All of that actually is a very healthy response to what's happening here. And um, I'm especially taken, you know, I've read this and preached on this so many times, but, you know, as we go through it, uh, and today as you're reading it, I'm, I'm just kind of listening fresh. The part that's really kind of grabbed my attention, um, I'm looking at what Simeon says. To Mary. And you talked about how weird it would be if you picked up another person's child these days, like a random stranger, just picking up your kid. We all be a little anxious about that. Uh, you know, I, is that true? But uh, but then the other thing is, is like, what do you say to a, a new parent? You know, normally you try to say really encouraging things like, oh, he's so sweet. He's got your eyes. Oh, 
he's so smart. I'm sure he's going to really be successful and wonderful. You know, you try to, you know, make him feel good. Um, this is a funny one. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. That's how you start, really? Uh, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Uh, you might think that if you pick up somebody else's kid, but maybe don't say it out loud unless you're really sure. And I, so anyway, I just think that's such an interesting way to start that what really what Jesus is going to do is actually be uh, sort of a, a litmus test in a sense, right? He's going to reveal what's in us. And so some who you thought were in for sure are going to fall, and some who you thought were out for sure are actually going to be in. And there's this way that, that Jesus is going to force a choice, and maybe we're going to be surprised about who chooses what. And uh, and and then this, this part, verse 35, is intriguing to me. And, and a sword will pierce your very own soul. And so the, this hard choice that's been made includes Mary, right? This is going to be painful for Mary. Yes, it's going to lead to salvation and new life, but it's going to be painful. Uh, and, and I think that there, there's something about that as a follower of Jesus. <clears throat> I have the assumption that if I follow Jesus, I'm going to feel good. And yet uh, there's, a, there's a promise that that's not always going to be that way. In fact, sometimes it's going to be really painful at, at a super deep level. And any of us who've been in situations where we had to make decisions to follow Jesus at the expense of following the world, the expense of the approval of others, at the expense of, you know, fudging something in order to kind of achieve my own sort of self-centered dream, any of us who've had to do that, we know it's, you know, it may be great for us in the long run, but it's super painful. And I, I, I think that um, sometimes we focus so much on the call to new life that we miss the, the idea is the way we get to that new life is through death. And, you know, there's that famous Bonhoeffer line I quote all the time, right? That, that when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. And I, I think that we can make a mistake as we kind of conceptualize what it means to follow Jesus by, by focusing on either one of these things at the exclusion of the other. Some people focus solely on the death. You've got to give up. You've got to have no sense of self. You're, you know, any, any kind of personal goals are, you know, all wrong. You just need to be a servant to others. And I think that, you know, that has just caused some people to become less than fully human. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. On the other side of the people here, hey, you know, live your best life now. It's all about you. And, and so we're trying to now claim like our very best life. And Jesus is supposed to be the ticket there. You know, he's sort of a, you know, an early Tony Robbins, uh, you know, but it, it it's not that. And it's actually both of these things together. It's death in order that we can be reborn to real life. But death has to come first. So you'll never get the real life if you don't get the death. But death is not the point. Death is the, the, the pathway to full life. That's what God wants for us. And I think that that sense that, that there's going to have to be a death in order for this life to come is, is spelled out right here in the beginning, as Luke is trying to set up in chapter two, this choice that all of us need to make. And, and so I, I think just even devotionally recognizing, okay, a, a sword is also going to have to pierce my own soul. And my deep thoughts are going to be revealed. My deep desires, my deep longings, my, my true motives. <laughs> and I think maybe that's a, kind of a point of reflection is, is 
Jesus is not going to make things easy for us. He's going to make them real for us. And, and I, I think that having the courage to say, what in my soul needs to die? In fact, I often say that when I'm getting angry, you know, if I'm just super irritable with my kids or anybody, if I'm really angry, it's probably a sign that something needs to die. And of course, my initial impulse is, yeah, whoever's bothering me, right, needs to die. That's I mean, what you were talking about earlier, the kind of the Roman way. But uh, no, that's not it. The reality is it almost always points to something in me that needs to die. I think that marriage is so hard because I'm confronted with so many things in me that need to die. And as you finally get to a place where you kind of like, maybe you've done a, a few of the really important big deaths, then you, if you have kids, my goodness gracious, they just point out all the other things in me that need to die. And, and our relationships become toxic when I make other people suffer for my sin, which I do all the time. But our relationships become transformative when I'm willing to suffer the death in me that is necessary, that that sin can be killed, right, crushed. So that, not so that I'm less, but so that I'm more, so that I'm, not so that I'm bound, but so that I'm free, right? That, that that's how Jesus leads me to life. So, I, yeah, I just, I hear in this, in, in this, this second chapter of Luke, this really, as we said yesterday, a call to a radical kind of faith. Uh, but if you just want to be a sweet Christian who's going to go along and not have anybody get offended with you, you're reading the wrong book. This is not going to be helpful for you. Luke is not going to be helpful. In fact, the Bible, you probably should not do much with the Bible, which would make you, in fact, like so many Christians. Uh, but if you actually want to experience a life that is life indeed, this is the pathway there. Yeah, it's like every example of love in our own lives. Like there's there's a great degree to which the depth of our love is measured by the the cost that we've had to pay for that love. Like, you know, the way we love our children. Like the I think if you didn't have to go through all the pains of parenting, you just wouldn't love your children nearly as much. It's it's really what makes you love your children. Hmm. Well, uh, again, I think we're gonna need God's help in all of this. So I would love well, to pray, pray for, for us, us, John. Please. Yes, I I I need it. Oh, Lord, thank you for being so different than Rome and even our own fleshly desire to destroy those who make us suffer rather than to, as we've been talking about today, the, to, to look at and see what it is that needs to die in us. Lord, help us through your spirit and through the community of believers to encourage each other and to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us. We're excited to see you. Uh, Walk this whole journey with us and wait, see what God is going to do in all of us. So I'm looking forward to being on this, this journey with you for the next few months. See you tomorrow.